0: Welcome to the Forerunners Podcast. You're listening to part one of our interview with Barry Clark, captain of the North End Run Club, which is, in my estimation, Hampton Roads' premier run club. I'd never met Barry Clark before the idea of this podcast, but I can tell you this. His name was one of the first on my list. A literal list that I made of potential guests. I ran into him by chance at the Seashore 50K in December and decided to pull the trigger on asking him to join me on the pod. He obliged, and we proceeded to have a great conversation, which made me even more eager to learn more about him. Barry seems like a big fish, and in a sense, he is. He's responsible for creating a mind-bogglingly successful run club. But he's a regular guy who has a family who drives him and his own reasons to run. So enjoy the first part of our chat with Barry Clark. We're recording. Welcome, Barry Clark. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to talking with you. So, you are currently sitting in Portsmouth, but you're not a stranger to Portsmouth, are you?
1: No. I was actually born right down the street, just a couple miles right down the street at Maryview. So, yeah. I lived here, um, grew up in Churchland area for about nine years, Yeah, of my, um, the beginning of my life, so um, my father actually works in Portsmouth, and grandma lives right down the street too so
0: oh so you like visit Portsmouth
1: yeah on a regular I, basis. I'm here so my grandma yeah my grandma can has a fear of uh filling up her gas um <laughs> you know she's getting older too so
0: yeah
1: uh so I come out here and I fill every tank for her and just checking in on her so nice. I'm, I'm here every couple of weeks
0: awesome yeah. when'd you end up in Virginia Beach
1: um it was it was about I think it was sophomore year beginning of my sophomore year um I was just about to go and um to 10th grade, and I just kind of convinced my parents to move to Virginia Beach, because they were looking at moving to Myrtle Beach. My sister, she grew up, um, got married, moved out, and it was just us three. We were living in Suffolk at the time, and I uh, just wanted to get a you know I could see my future living in Suffolk it was like lawn care or it was like construction and then it was that's great um but you know I was chasing music and I had like some bigger dreams when it came to that and I figured we were playing shows at the time too and I wanted to come um in, in Virginia Beach um and I wanted to just come down here and kind of find some people to to start a uh, a band with so I kind of convinced my parents I was searching I was you know 16 at the time and I was didn't know their budget for a home, but I was traveling to Virginia Beach and I was finding homes for sale and going back to them and showing them and be like, Look what I found! What about this?
0: You were a child realtor.
1: Yeah. And to be honest, I found their first home. I mean, when we moved to the home they're living in now was the home that I kind of picked from just driving by.
0: That's amazing.
1: It's, it's kind of weird when you say it like that.
0: We'll, we'll get to G- DJing in a second, but yeah. you were a musician or you are a musician?
1: Yeah, I grew, well, I grew up in, you know, in Suffolk, you know, just in high school and stuff. We were I was playing drums and I was playing guitar um, and I was in just like little bands at the time. One, we played at a Jewish mother and we were assigned to this uh, record label called Serious um, Records uh, based out of Norfolk. And Nice. So we were getting some momentum there um, and then just we were kind of growing apart as like friends because of everything happening too. So yeah. ended up just yeah Mm -hmm. splitting ways and that's when i I moved
0: i played alto saxophone throughout i've got a soprano saxophone sitting right over there oh nice but i played alto saxophone when i was in a ska band dude yes called the no talent show and it it was actually amazing wait yeah wait i think i've heard of you guys (laughs) you might have because we were freaking good dude um (laughs) did y'all play like uncle hubies I and, don't know. No, and, I left for college. They kept going. That's so but cool. But we had, we had a little little album and everything. We recorded in this studio where the, the guy, it's down in College Park in Virginia Beach. Yeah. The guy had this little tiny studio and he painted the walls Weezer blue. It was a really cool atmosphere. And we recorded, man. Oh, that's that awesome. One. That's so. awesome. Rest in peace, Sky. What's, what's going on with Sky? There's some <laughs> diehards out there, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Now. So you moved to Virginia Beach yep. and now you have a little family, dude. Tell us about your family.
1: Yeah, so uh, after graduating from high school, um, it was right around, 2000, I graduated in 2006. So 2007 um, is when I met my now wife. So we met um, through some mutual friends and um, we started dating about 10 days later and we've been together ever since. Nice. So a um, lot of years of love um, uh, resulted in our new son, Crew. So he's about 15 months just the other day And, uh, so we have a family and life's crazy right now for a lot of different reasons, but, um, definitely exciting and, uh, it's the best man being a father is, is is definitely changed everything.
0: Yeah. I sound like a broken record, but there's nothing better than it in my life.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, really. It came at such a good time too. I mean, you know, know, I was, I'm the type of person I am, I'm, I'm preparing, Oh, like you got to do this, 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 and then I'll be a father. We, you know, like sometimes all those cars on the line. Mm. And then he just, uh, you know, it just happens, and life works itself out, and it's done it in such a beautiful way for for our family. So.
0: Yeah, man. Well, it looks like you're. It looks like you're busy being a good dad. Thank you. And and it looks like you got him started pretty early on DJing. Yeah. Which is which is our next topic, dude. Talk talk about DJing a little bit for us.
1: Yeah. Uh. So you know, when I was done playing with the bands, moved to Virginia Beach. Um. You know, I was searching for someone to play with. Um. At the time, I was. I was working valet over at Waterman's, and I was going, kind of just doing the odds and end jobs. I was, um, and then I was working at 17th Street Surf Shop as a manager, and, you know, just living that life as kind of like a new beach bum, if you will, like, you know, yeah. living in Virginia Beach. Uh, and I wanted to get back into music, and I really missed it. Um, and then I went to L.A. with my wife, um, if we went to... We went to these like clubs that we probably had no business being at. that yeah. Her friends got us into, <laughs> and I remember that was the first time I saw a DJ. And I remember like looking up at him and just being like, "Whoa, that's that's one dude controlling the whole entire vibe of this room. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need to depend on a, any, uh, like a, a band or anybody else. And yeah. it's really just whatever he wants to bring to the table." And that like captured me. So I came home, uh, started saving some money. Uh, believe it or not, like broke my shoulder, which oh. is like still screwed up looking. Uh, broke my shoulder and I was kind of sitting in the bed for a little bit and, um, on recovery. And I just bought a bunch of DJ stuff on a whim and just taught myself how to DJ YouTube videos. Um, so from there, uh, started playing for friends at some house parties, started going to, uh, started playing at some like local bars and stuff that we we kind of regulars at. Um, and then it really just kind of took off from there. Um, DJed all together in about nine years. So um, starting in yeah, 2000, I think 2009 was my first show, and then 2010 was my. I mean, 2019 last year was my last show.
0: Yeah, man, you were DJ A to G, right?
1: I was A to G. Yeah, our first
0: conversation ever. You explain that to me. (laughs) Explain it to the people.
1: So A to G. It's so it was actually I think my friends, you know. They were big War of Warcraft guys, um, and I never played it, but uh, when it was time for me to play at my first gig, I needed a name, because they needed to put it on the flyer, and they needed to put it on the marquee, and I was like, oh, I don't know, so uh, my friend was like, bro, you're A to G, you ain't even that good, yo, and I was like, okay, that'll work, that'll work for like, you know, that'll work for like a two weeks, and I'll change it, and then it just stuck, like I never, I could, you know, it's hard to name, brand yourself, hard to name yourself, which is now why I'm just Barry Clark. It's just
0: so (laughs) funny, ain't even that good, yo. DJ,
1: and it was, yeah, you know, that's the thing. I was kind of making fun at myself as, you know, I was just learning how to DJ and I was just kind of getting into it. And if you were sitting here and you were saying, oh man, dude, you suck. Well, well, my name's, ain't even that good, yo. So, (laughs) (laughs) but luckily, you know, it was, was, there was something there and it was awesome.
0: Well, we're currently going through a pandemic and everybody's on quarantine. Things are being loosened up a little bit now, but for a while there, we were really kind of stuck in our homes. Yeah. And uh, you used your DJing gifts to um, go on Instagram Live and bring some joy. Tell us a little bit about yeah. a little bit about that. <laughs> I haven't had a stutter yet.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I haven't had coffee. I I'm imagine myself like drinking a lot of coffee before this. Party. I'm going
0: to leave it in there so <laughs> people know it's the real me. Oh, this is uncut.
1: Um, yeah, I um, uh, <laughs> you know, I at the time you know there was that solidarity we were all in this together and we were going through it together um and it kind of shook us all uh and it kind of just stopped us in our tracks and you know it it's i had some momentum going for some certain things in my life that kind of just stopped and um i saw a lot of people just kind of getting really down and the one thing you know people always wanted me to do was come back and dj and dj at bars and clubs and whatever again you know i've you know, I, I've grown out of that lifestyle, you know, especially becoming a father. Um, but one thing I wanted to do and I realized that I could do was just bring some type of joy to them and just kind of spread positivity, um, and encourage people really to just do their part and stay home, look forward to something, have some kind of schedule, you know? So I was doing like a Saturday night, um, and I would turn around Sunday morning and then do it at Sunday morning. So like two different vibes, um, and then Sundays kind of took off because little crew would just yeah, yeah. like, you know, he would pop up from his nap and look at me like, whoa, what's going on in, in the kitchen? This is cool. And then like, you know, he just became the star of the show. So, you know, just that was really cool. Um, it was just fun to dig into the crates and just play some things I typically wouldn't play out too. So
0: yeah, there was a, I think one of your last nighttime ones, you had like this lighting setup that was like. <laughs> Like if you had popped some acid, you would have been in heaven yeah. or something, <laughs> dude. <did? laughs> well,
1: you know, as a DJ, I'm not that exciting to look at. You know, I'm not I'm not that <laughs> like that big festival DJ, yeah. um, you know, I'm sitting there just throwing my hands up yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So like you know, I'm focused on the music, I'm focused on transitions mm-hmm. and stuff. So when you're looking at me through your sixteen by nine ratio screen and you're like you know it's not the most exciting if there's just a light on me so i was incorporating some some really cool
0: i thought those aspects were i it. thought those were awesome so I appreciate that so on a deep dive on your instagram especially early on i saw that you you are traveling man like you've been to so many places like where what kind of places have you been that come to mind right away
1: um you know there's so much to explore in the usa like i've never i've only been to the bahamas like out of the country yeah. once and and that's as far as i've been so um, I traveled a lot through DJing, um, but I also, you know, working in that industry, you know, you work on the weekends and you're kind of free for during the week. So, like, I would go snowboard with friends on, mm-hmm. like, a Monday or Tuesday or hop in a car, go to New York City to go do this. And, you know, it was always, at the time, I didn't have a lot of adulting things to yeah. be here for. And there was no run club at the time, too. So, mm-hmm. um, I just kind of would just get in the car and go and I kind of just seeked inspiration from all the places that I visited um, and experiences that I had Um, but it slowed down a lot ever since I had my son um, which it's okay because it's going to come back and I want to teach him all these new things too but uh, you know a lot of people don't know this about me but you know I'm not a beach I'm not a beach guy you know I don't go to the beach (laughs) I I have a almost I have a tattoo of like a reaper holding a, a surfboard on on my leg uh, I'm a mountain man at heart. Like, I love mountains. I love yeah. cold. I love snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think travel is just, like, so good for the soul. And it's just, you hop in the car and you can be in, in Richmond in an hour and yeah. a half. You could yeah. be in, you could be in um, the Shenandoahs and Skyline Drive in three hours. Mm-hmm. In Charlottesville, you can go to D.C. And it's just like, you know, you can just kind of escape your, like, your reality, if you will, like at the moment and just go and just kind of experience new things and like that Just like I try to travel as much as possible and I miss it But
0: what is the most beautiful place in the United States that you've been to? Oh,
1: man I'm gonna say Estes Park Colorado like right outside of Denver That's Um, not hard to imagine that a Colorado (laughs) place would be pretty (laughs) beautiful, man I mean it was it was definitely that was like life-changing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well before we get into talking about the physicality of running let's talk a little bit about photography and design because uh sometimes it seems like that's what your bread and butter is dude like it seems like that's where you've really nested and become like gotten good
1: yeah i i think so you know i've always been into the arts in fact you know we're in portsmouth now i I went to the visual arts center for Mm -hmm. a year um until i switched my major and then moved it to more business i thought it'd be more marketable Mm -hmm. um so you know, growing up, I was just like in advanced art classes, um, and then when I started DJing in 2009, you know, I, the first gig I, I remember, I needed a flyer for, it, and I contacted my friend, and you know, he, I, he, I wanted to pay him for his services, so I paid him, and I go, okay, well, this is going to get kind of expensive quick if I'm just <laughs> doing these gigs, and I'm a portion is one of this, so I just taught myself how to these programs and I taught myself to go from, um, to go from like, you know, I was just kind of painting and drawing and go and take it to a digital form and kind of, um, challenge myself that way. So really started as just branding myself as a DJ. Um, and then I, as so I got comfortable, I would kind of freelance some things and do logos for people, um, did graphic design for a lot of like restaurants and bars and clubs around here. And then actually had like a brief stint as like a, um, design the graphic design manager for um waterman uh, shacks and chicks nice. for for a couple of months so you know design is is always uh design is always going to be a huge love of mine photography started as taking photos for for bands at the norva as a yeah. way to get free press passes and stuff like that <laughs> but I you know i took a lot of really cool when i was into music and playing music live music i was into photography too and um they kind of worked well with each other um so you know i fell in love now with with movement photography i love fitness i love watching people
0: um, yeah um sweat yeah we'll talk about that in a yeah bit. let's get into sweating let's go what's your athletic background dude uh
1: really just stayed active um by just skateboarding and bmxing so um you know, in grade school, Little League, I was played all-star baseball. Like, I don't really talk about that anymore. I had, you know, I just kind of dig that up from time to time. But um, really no team sport. I didn't grow up uh, necessarily running. That was never really an option. I would race friends to each other's houses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd always beat them. I'm just like,
0: <laughs> I would just run away from my brothers trying to beat yeah. them.
1: <laughs> See, I had a sister, even though she was scary sometimes, so... <laughs> But yeah, she, um, you know, and just skateboarding and and um, and being in that culture and stuff like that too. So not really as active as a lot of people may think. A lot of yeah. people kind of just assume I was um, track and field or cross country or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, and and that was never the case. So running came late in life.
0: Yeah, running in high school was something that I avoided. Yeah, like really hard.
1: <laughs> See, I lived. I loved the mile. I, I Did remember you? when I was in. Fifth grade, I think my mile was five fifteen, and it was the fastest in the in in the class. So I I, like I always knew there was something there because I (laughs) because I was very competitive when it, and I'm not competitive now. But at that time, when you're growing up and your friends and bragging rights and everybody's talking about it, um, it's a big deal when you're Mm -hmm. that age. So you know, yeah,
0: I think the last time I cared about the mile when I was young was in sixth grade, and I think I ran like a like an eight fifteen or something. Yeah, but just a couple. Just last summer man I ran a, a 658 dude dude I know dude I'm that, way faster like and probably 150 pounds heavier than I was when I ran 8:30.
1: That's not easy man and I'll tell you <laughs> eight minute mile is not easy a mile just a mile is not easy hey, yeah yeah I know
0: that's right but um you run now. so what made you decide to to run to make that something in your life? I chose the sport of running. You know, I think
1: about I think about where I was at in 2000, um, 2016 when I started NERK because I didn't run before. Um, um, and I, for me, I looked at the sport of running. Uh, you know, I'm someone who never went to the gym. Um, I didn't have a coach telling me how to work out, what to do. Um, I thought I was motivated, and I would go through these weird things where, like, okay, I'm going to get into running. So I used to do this weird thing and like no one, it's, you know, it's on a podcast. So I'm going all out. But I used to get on these tiffs where I'm like I'm going to be a runner and I would, I, I would shave for some reason I would shave my head and I'm going to be like, cause just, just I wanted to be distraction free. So I remember just being, I mean, I was, I was living in my parents' house um, in Kempsville and I'm like, I'm going to shave my head and I'm going to get really into fitness and it's going to start with running. So running for me. Was just a gateway to a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. I thought it was simple. You know, I, you, know you didn't, I was, I was attracted by the simplicity of it. You just put on a pair of running shorts, you put on, um, so lace up a pair of running shoes, you know, put on an athletic top, whatever, and just hit the streets. And it was no gym membership. Um, it was, in my mentality, I had to look at it as exploring, had to look at it as just having fun and not punishment to my body. Um, uh, and that was the initial, that's like, that's how like I got into running, but I couldn't do it by myself. I yeah. still couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, it took me a really long, it took me until the first NERC really to say, okay, I'm
0: going to have to keep this consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we'll talk a little bit about NERC later on, Yeah, but you started running. NERC was a big part of that. And personally we're, we're talking about your personal running so what's it been like to build distance because dude you just like you went up to Marine Corps Marathon which we'll talk about in a second and you did a freaking marathon so I know the distance building from from the time you shaved your head had your <laughs> first NERC what, what was it like to build distance like well when I
1: when I first started NERC um, and we'll talk about it a little bit but you know when I said three to five miles I'd never ran three so the first NERC, when you know twelve people show up, um, I'm running three miles for my for my first time, and I'm run walking, and I'm you know, and I'm I think I was uh, ten minute thirty second average pace or something mm-hmm. like that, and I was trying really hard, yeah, and um, it was very humbling for me, and I knew exactly where I was at, I knew how much work needed to be done to just get to where I thought I was be at by just you know it's not easy to Mm run um so I um I started really just kind of started slow um I wasn't you know there wasn't a Strava I didn't have a Garmin watch I was just kind of tracking my runs within like a Nike app and Mm -hmm. I was I remember when I started NERC in 2019 in July July um October 15th that same year was my first 5k so um, we had a lot of friends running this uh, it was a Susan G Coleman the run for a cure mm-hmm. and um, I really loved like the cause of these I love the small race atmosphere of that knowing money was going to a good cause yeah um, so you know that was that was a really big turning point for me because I didn't get into running to be competitive didn't get into it for racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember after I completed the, f- um, the 5k, I remember getting my, my first medal and I remember just kind of choking up and I, it was like, a, such a proud moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went back to the, you know, I was on that runner high and I went back to the finish line and I just watched like team Hoyt come in and I watched all the different people come in different bodies, different backgrounds, different, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And I was just like. I remember just choking up. I remember just, like, calling my wife, and I was like, you got to come down here. But see, like, what a lot of people don't know is, like, my wife was, she ran, like, 5Ks before, and I would sleep past it, and be like, what, you did what this morning? <laughs> she ran the Norfolk Harbor, the Harbor um, Harbor Lights, like, 5K, I think, like, two years in a row. Um, and so she was like, yeah, yeah, that's what they do. That's that's a race. And I was like, this is amazing. You got to come down here. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, ever since then, I started, I dipped my feet in a lot of variety of distances just to see how they felt, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm progressing, and um, shortly after that was the Wicked 10K, um, and then November 28 2016 was the Norfolk Harbor half. Um, I was not training for this half, uh, but I signed up three days before and ran it with with i think my longest run was actually the wicked 10k i, I might have gone a little over i think i did a, maybe a seven mile run after that yeah but um i remember i was just like so freaked out but i just wanted to just see how it felt so like i remember like googling just experiences of like people that people had of running half marathons untrained and then you know a lot there's a lot you know yeah. youtube you can that's a big rabbit hole there um, so I was just going through, and I was like, you know what? I need. I wanted to see how this this feels, and I, I ran it, um, and I I tried for, oh, for a while to beat that. You know, it was like a 154, and I was super proud. Mm-hmm. Um, it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt a lot. I bet,
0: it, I bet it did. Untrained.
1: Yeah, it hurt a lot. Um, <laughs> but it was a good pain, and then so I just kind of fell in love with the half distance for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I remember as at Nürk, it was getting into a new year, and I remember we we were really small at the time, I think maybe we had like 30 people, and I was just like, everybody, I want everybody to just we're gonna go around, introduce yourself, and I just, if you don't mind sharing, and maybe you just feel compelled to just say it now, but I was like, I'm writing it down, but like, just say like one big goal, one big scary goal for the next year, like, yeah. you know, um, so when it got around to me, I was like, I want to run a marathon, oh, <clears throat> damn it, I, I said it. Oh my God! I you cannot believe I said it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I've learned to love the marathon. Um, Training is a different story. Yeah. I love the marathon though, um, and I love the halves. And I, you know, I'm and and I I, resp- I love them all. I'm kind of, you know, like Mike Cap. I mean, he's like the master, and we—I feel like I just want to bring up Mike Cap because he needs to be talked about on every look, one of these look, podcasts. There's
0: probably like six minutes from the episode I just put out last night, a Backsweat Boys episode two. They—they they talk about him for like six minutes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's a man.
1: Well, I mean, he—you know—he's—he doesn't corner himself into one distance mm-hmm. and stuff, and I, I love that, and, and I can relate, and I'm not on his level at all, but you know if it's a good cause and it's a good race, I'll go run a 5k if it's uh and I'm not looking to race, like race race. I'm not going to get podium. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Um, right now kind of just chasing on a race day, like a sub 20. Um, and I feel like I can do it. Um, but you know, I just, I'm having fun just kind of picking and choosing. Uh, but with NERC, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes too, because I'm organizing these, like, cheer stations and and whatnot, too. So, you know, at at some of these, I I choose to to be there and cheer for others.
0: Yeah, man. Let's talk about Marine Corps Marathon. Because you've you've gone twice, right? Yeah, 2018, 2019. Yeah. So, I think it's been... Marine Corps Marathon's been brought up a couple times on the podcast. Um, But nobody's really told the story. Tell us about Marine Corps Marathon, because we know... It got hairy.
1: Yeah. All right, well, Marine Corps Marathon is the people's marathon. And when I was looking at my first marathon, I remember I would talk to so many. And I think it, it was Terry Coob who really sold me on it. It was a night at Back Bay, and I was told him I was kind of putting some feelers out for what marathons to do. And he goes you know, everybody says run the, the Marine Corps marathon. It's the best marathon. He was like, I've run this, 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 I'm going to say run the FN Marine Corps marathon. Like it's the best. And I looked into it and I loved what it stood for. It wasn't, you know, it's not a world major at all. It's big, you know, it sells out and, and there's a lot of hype behind it, but, um, you know, it's, it's not, they're very lenient with, like corrals um it's not like super competitive um and i love dc as a city it's close to home um you know i love the military aspect of it too There were so many marines there yeah thousands and thousands of marines that are cheering you on I really have no business like being there yeah who's sitting you cheering you on and you know mm-hmm. there's no way you're gonna kind of pull back a little bit and 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 um, you try to you, you show up and you give it all you got at, at a race like that, and they're waiting for you at the finish line too with the medal to put around your neck. So, 2018 for me was um, my first marathon, Marine Corps, and I went out there and I was chasing just a four-hour marathon. Sub four was like the dream, um, and I missed it. I think 48 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So that um, that really that really like. Kind of hung with me for a really long time, and um, and when I ran out there, I think there was just you know there was a couple of people, Bethany, Doug. There's a couple of people from the run club that ran it, but it wasn't a big group. You know, I, I went up there, caught in kind of with family, I ran it, went back, hung out with family, mm-hmm. hung out with maybe like a, a, one of my friends who was up there. Um, this year was like last year was like a really really different story so we had a really good group I think it was like 45 people um, Mm -hmm. really started talking about it when the lottery opened up because I knew how hard it was going to get in to to, uh, this was good to get into and so when it when it opened up I put it on our community page and I said hey there's the Marine Corps Marathon if you're if you're interested um, the lottery's open now so a lot of people like jumped on it and they signed up um, little did we know. I'm pretty sure everybody got in. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then, yeah. So we, we you know, we all train together uh, for the most part, and you know, we do these pop up runs. And but Marine Corps 2019 for me was a really, really big. and uh, meant a lot to me. It was very sentimental because not only did I just you know beat my goal, uh, that was the hardest year of my life. Uh, being a new father, running, uh, you know, j- ma- maintaining the run club. Um, changing professions, basically quitting my job too as a DJ, mm-hmm. um, uh, building things, you know, and, and, and allowing time for training and training the brutal summer for these things too for th- for these fall races. I mean, um, it doesn't feel healthy to me when you're doing it. Yeah, it's it's brutal, um, and there's big paydays at the end of it too if you stick with it. Uh, so for me, uh, it was. Uh, oh, and I actually two weeks before, I couldn't even run, I was, I had a calf injury, and I remember Jake from Director Performance, I I reached out to him, and I said, hey, I I really, like, I need help, and for me to say that, like, I, like, I needed help, so (laughs) yeah, you know, he really, shout out to Direct Performance, because, I mean, they know their stuff, Um, and, and they got me run walking within three days, two days, And then I was basically injury free going into the marathon within like two weeks. And like, you know, these like calf sprains and and high ankle sprains and stuff that I've had in the past, they're serious and they can, they can put you out for some time. Mm. So I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think the run, the race was going to happen and uh, it did it. So, you know, the weather was really, really brutal. And I don't think that, you know, mentally I was so strong going into it. um, I I wasn't going to let the weather break me. Yeah, at all, but it was brutal. I I was swimming.
0: I can't leave you pr'd in that, dude.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you know when I hit the thirteen point one, uh, you know, you're rounding right after the blue mile, going around this point, and I was knee deep in water, and you just physically couldn't run, but only so fast. Um, but I was like ahead of pace a little bit, and I was just feeling good. I was just you know I was taking in the energy from the people because that's what that's what got me through i'm running and i you know i signed up to do this i trained to do this but the people that got out of their house and were just sitting there in the pouring rain um cheering everybody on they were the people that showed up for for me that day and like i really really needed them so all the way through that race was just crowds on each side and just like giving me the energy and and of course the marines and um you know, the sun came out the last 15 minutes of that, which was, then it got pretty brutal and hot, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, you know, I hadn't, had had a crazy goal in mind. And then I had what I came out the set to do. Um, and I just did what I had to do. Just got it done. I, kn- I knew it was going to be painful. I mean, you know, it's, but it was, uh, it was worth it to, just to press on and press through. And stuff, and knowing I would see so many—I mean, all the people from all my friends and stuff. Like, yeah, man. At the
0: end, that—that that was crazy, because I—I saw that you PR, and I was like, man, I just saw all this stuff about the weather and running through floods. How can you freaking PR there? Yeah. Like when you ran the year before and it was good weather. So, but that—that's amazing. Um, when I initially talked to you to ask you to be on the podcast, we we talked a little bit about this, and uh, I wanted to talk for one second about one thing you attributed other than physical therapy to your your body healing up for that marathon and that's yoga yeah and uh i've heard you talk a little bit about yoga and i've seen some yoga pop-ups that you've been involved in how does yoga play a role in your training life Uh,
1: you know i wish i really wish i did more yoga um but for for me it really just aided me in mental and physical like stamina um it helped me minimize injury and kind of maximize my performance by just increasing strength and flexibility. Uh, but really, I just wanted to, really, I showed up for these yoga classes, um, as an intentional way to just disconnect, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a good run without a watch and a phone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think we do enough of that. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, so I would show up by myself, um, just clear my head, and it was it was one hour to myself, um, and I would, you know, I'd be s- super present in the moment, um, and I really enjoyed that. I, I, and you know, I've, I've I've had really stressful days. I remember one of the classes I took to, I was running late, everything, I, I, all the all the cards were stacked against me that day to not drop, you know, not be. I was, it was like 25 minutes away to not show up there and make mm-hmm. it. Uh, I was like, no, I'm, I need I need this, like I need to make it um so i remember just getting cut off on the way there and blah 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 i showed up and i was like two minutes late to it i apologized and sat down and then afterwards i was a completely different person and i just went up to her and i was like you and i you know it's one of those classes too you just feel like she's speaking to you Mm -hmm. so i was like you nailed everything maybe she (laughs) could see it in my face as i was coming in i was just like but no she um and shout out to Danielle, um, Sky's the Limit Yoga, and there's there's so many. Katie from Inlet Fitness. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great yoga teachers around here. And mm-hmm. one thing that I wanted I like to do with the Run Club too is, um, you know, as Run Club we're, we are runners, but we're also we're a lot of different things. There's CrossFit athletes that run with us. There's mm-hmm. yogis. There's there's you know we got a couple of like just bodybuilders. I mean, Mike mm-hmm. our co captain for example, like he uses the run club for just kind of his cardio day yeah. and stuff. So, you know, I like just sprinkling that around and I, I, I feel like it's, it's really good for a lot of different reasons, but yeah, physical and mental.
0: Yeah, man. Let's talk a little bit about Lululemon. Okay. Yeah. I want to tell you something. Yeah. You might've heard on the podcast. I've been on our quest to get the shortest shorts possible. Okay. I actually did it. Um, I saw the
1: picture. <laughs> it was awesome.
0: Yeah. It was painful, Mm-hmm. but Annalisa for my for Christmas bought me what she thought was the shortest pair of shorts she could buy me. It was Lululemon. Yeah. And uh, they weren't very short. Was it three inch? No, nah, I don't I don't know. I think it might have been three inch. I don't know. It couldn't be because they don't look that short on me. Okay. But I'll tell you what, man. Those things are freaking comfortable. Yeah. The liner is amazing. It's the best liner there is. Yeah. Did yours uh, have a... Did at least have a, like a sash pocket on the it does. sides? It okay, does. cool. So, but... I do love the product, but let's talk about how you were a Lululemon ambassador, dude. How'd that come about?
1: So basically, you know, I get, I get a lot of people that reach out all over. Hey, you know, I see your ambassador. Like, how can I become one? Um, and it, there's not really a formula to become ambassador. I think um, the way that it worked for me and I try to tell them that story and the way I, I think it could work and, and what they, they promote, like how, how to become ambassador is really just show up to the store um, tell them kind of what you're doing tell them hey introduce yourself mm-hmm. you know you, you don't got to ha- maybe go in there and just be like a customer like everyday customer spending hundreds of 100 dollars get mm-hmm. their attention be like hey my name is so and so and I'm starting this and I'm really into this and I want to bring together people and elevate our community by doing this so it's, you know they have a lot of different disciplines you know there's actually I'm a a running ambassador, but there's, there's chefs that are ambassadors. There's, um, there's, there's, I met these, these two really cool girls from Brooklyn. They own this laundromat called Celsius. Um, very eco-friendly, my like very, um, conscious of, of waste and lint and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But they, they're yoga teachers too, and they're ambassadors, and our, and then there's like physical therapists that are ambassadors. So there's a lot of different things, um, and really they just kind of bring together people, like-minded people, to that are just elevating their their communities by sweat. So yeah. for me, the run club, uh, with the run club, um, I would just you know I was I would pop in there, introduce myself, shop around. Become just familiar with the brand, Um, and then they would just organically show up to the run club. So they, you know, it wasn't. It was really for the team here in Virginia Beach. They would just were a part of the club, and they would show up for runs, and they would kind of see me and my element, and then just be, you know, hey, how can anything we can do to support? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's cool, awesome, and you know, they would, you know, they would show up with product and and give out free products and whatnot, and um, I really just kind of felt supported with them and and they make awesome gear Um, and you know it was it's just kind of like a really organic thing that happened
0: what's your favorite thing that you own from Lululemon
1: I would have to say so I'm really big into their fast and free line so they actually have a fast and free three inch short and I like I could get some super short shorts from Lululemon like I'm telling you like I'll wear I wear five inch and those are pretty like I get looks on the boardwalk that must be what I have
0: that must be what I have is five
1: inch I mean that's short, and th- th- you know those will turn some heads on the boardwalk. And be like, look at this guy. I want my butt cheeks showing, you, dude. Okay, you need the three. You need the three. We can <laughs> we can make this happen. <laughs> they, um, but I would say the the fast and free line is um, is them really getting into elite uh, like runners apparel. You know, yeah. they they make a lot of like the, the shirt I'm wearing now. This is um, uh, metal vintage. Um, it's great for training um, it's uh, it's great for running too it's breathable um, but this fast and free line it's very thinner material mm-hmm. it doesn't not a lot of sh- maybe stretch to it but it keeps its shape uh it's very yeah breathable it's nice. just I would say that yeah fast and free shirt if you're able to get your hands on that it was it's definitely a game changer but I, that and the shorts man I mean shirt short for me is you got the the stash pocket in the back for mm-hmm. some
0: phone, goo, whatever, yeah. and then you actually have on in the liner. Um, Dude, that's my favorite thing. You yeah. can fit. I can fit my iPhone 11 in the liner. Okay, okay, yeah. Like with a with a OtterBox case on. Dang. It. And it's like firm. I discovered that like probably like eight runs into them. Yeah. I was like, what the crap? I it's, can fit my phone here.
1: <laughs> we we actually had so, one of, the girl who. One of the ladies who on the team who designs those shorts was in town in Virginia Beach and showed up to a NERC run with one of the the store manager, and you know I'm wearing mine. I kind of knew she was going to be there too, and I'm I wear it regardless. But she came up and she goes, well, how, what do you think about these new liners? Because they they've been kind of changing the liners to fit as many body types as they can. They, yeah, they do. I'm sure they get a lot of feedback on on it not fitting and and fitting and certain yeah. people, but. I was like, this is amazing. I
0: mean this this is really great. So yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah man, me. I um I'm definitely gonna build my Lululemon collection. That's awesome. Because they are my favorite shorts. If my thighs were thinner, maybe I'd like my shortest shorts that I have. I'm gonna I'm gonna get more short shorts because I think I've come up with a plan to defend myself from chafing.
1: Okay. So lather it up. <laughs> I think I heard that right. Just lather it up.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of advice I've gotten. So you came up, you, at the beginning of the year, you kind of laid out a plan and it was a very meticulous plan for racing. You said, these are the races that I'm going to participate in and COVID-19 is here, dude, knocking at our door and canceling a lot of things. What has that done to your goal list? Uh, Personally, you know, I was, I
1: was Getting, in, I wasn't really training much for anything. I was doing the A- Shamrock 8K. I was signed up for that, and it was my first time running the 8K, so I was really excited to to race that. Um, and I was going to be cheering basically for the um, the half and the full. So we had, you know, me and JNA. Um, we sat down and with with our captains and stuff, and we had this really awesome. It was going to be the best year station yet. I mean, and it was really like. At a, at a pivotal point in the race where everybody would need it. So, for me, when COVID kind of arised, it, it only took away initially the Shamrock weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it slowly started taking away like small things. So, um, actually, not small things at all. One of the things that I was really, really getting outside of my comfort zone and, and getting into was uh, it was a 100 mile bike ride. It was called America's Most Beautiful Bike Ride. Uh, and I signed up with Team in Training, which benefits the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And that was June, and it was basically a 100-mile ride about, around South Lake Tahoe. So I was out there yeah. last year for it, just taking photos for it. Oh, okay. And I saw just how beautiful that area was. And, and listening to the stories of, of all the families and, and affected and, and survivors... Um, really sold me on I'm coming back next year and I'm, I'm riding and I'm going to raise money and I've never raised funds for a race so I was I was excited to to do that and it just kind of got it actually got postponed I think it's postponed right now until September um, but then that's kind of clashing with the Richmond Marathon so yeah. right now I'm signed up for the Richmond Marathon um, and I took you know Marine Corps is amazing uh, I think two years of that like I definitely I just wanted to kind of just see what else is out there. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people training for Marine Corps, so I'll be up there just kind of cheering for that. But um, one one bummer one was... Uh, the So I, I got asked to be a Pace Beaver, they call it. Basically just a pacer for the Lululemon Seawees Half Marathon Festival in, in Vancouver. And last year I was got asked to do it and I was all signed up but then I realized as I was booking my flight that my friend was getting married the night before here so I had to send them an email yeah and I was like I'm so sorry please like anything you can do like defer me next year um so then they actually like asked me again to do it um and it's it's kind of rare to do that so I was I was very humbled by it but um then I just got an email maybe a week ago saying it's now a virtual half yeah um but it's okay. I mean, there's people that had way bigger goals. I mean, Gabby, um, our co-captain, qualified for Balsam, like a lot of people yeah. that I know, you know, put in a lot of work and, yeah. and made it work. So, you know, there'll it's, be more races. There'll be more starting lines. And yeah. I, I'm, we're definitely just, you know, I'm just going to train for what's in the books right now um, mentally. I think I need that just to, to get back into some some training. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of feeling like a lot of people right now, just kind of lost. Like still having fun, running, uh, missing the group runs, but um, just looking forward to just training with some friends again and, and, and reconnecting on race day and sharing those experiences. Because
0: yeah, man, I feel like if you're a runner, there's no chance that you've gone through this pandemic without being disappointed by some kind of cancellation. Yeah. So I feel like runners are really learning. Yeah. This year to deal with that disappointment. Yeah. And I think they're doing a good job. I think so too. So, yeah, think it it so is difficult too. to find motivation, but, um, people are starting to do it now. I mean, yeah. look, everybody's getting creative. Um, the back sweat boys, those, those challenges, dude, the double seven, five, seven challenge. I don't even know how that's possible.
1: Yeah. I think, so. you know, <laughs> you can do it. I think I, I went out one day and I, I almost got it and they said, well, oh, I mean, you could have done it. Did so, you try? No, I didn't try. <laughs> I didn't try. Uh, i think it's yeah it's you know the the challenges the virtual races and stuff like that too people are really holding on to that and if you care about the run community and you care about local businesses and stuff then then you're going to seek that and you're going to support it yeah and stuff and i think that's important in this yeah, time definitely sure.
0: let me ask you one last question yeah. for this episode what are your bucket list goals man what are is there are there races that are big for you that you want to pursue in the future um what kind of things do you see in your, in the big picture for you personally? Um, I think next
1: year, you know, next year I've, I've, I've been looking at full Ironmans and uh, I just, you know, it's something I never would have ever imagined. I'm not a swimmer. Um, yeah. but I'm okay with getting outside my comfort zone. And, mm-hmm. um, I said, maybe a little too many things, too many people who are now holding me accountable for it, who are <laughs> kind of will slide by and drop off little like bike trainers and whatnot and send me links to things. So I think, you know, maybe next year really, you know, I really just, you know, I need to get into the gym and that's one thing I, I kind of lacking. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to get into the gym, start strength and conditioning um, and get serious about it. Um, and I think next year is going to be the time that I can do it. My son's going to be at an age where he's kind of on cruise control, yeah. And and, you know, you know, eventually we will have another kid, um, but it's not going to be next year. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be like this kind of sweet spot before, yeah. Um, I would say that, but you know, I just I love the half distance. So like, I want to do Acadia National Park. uh, I want to go up north and do like around Portland, or like I want to do even Big Sur Marathon, um, and just kind of just traveling. Just seeking out smaller races, um, but just staying injury free and maintaining. I mean, really, that's that's the goal. Without that, yes, yeah, no, there's not. There's any no. Goals. mistakes, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, all right. Well, we'll take a break and we'll come back soon. On next week's episode, we'll deep dive the North End Run Club. We're going to learn how he had the idea for it, how he got the idea rolling, how it grew, and all the creative ideas that he's had to keep it growing and going. So join us next week. But until then, this is Danny signing off. Godspeed.